Good morning. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord with you guys and just to be a part of this great church. It is truly an honor and a privilege uh, to be here today and to be a part of Christ Chapel Macon. Um, I do honor God this morning, uh, who is the head of my life, and uh, I do honor our pastor today and, and all that he is doing in uh, him and Kelly, we, we do honor you guys. You guys are amazing. Um, even on the days you don't feel like it, uh, you're loved and appreciated. And I do honor my wife, who uh, is my partner in ministry. Um, she is a phenomenal teacher. She loves Jesus. And I'm just up here just to share what God is going to say in this service today. I pray that he touch in every single one of our hearts. Amen. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, this morning we love you. We thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, I ask today, God, that you will quieten my spirit, Lord, that you will speak loud and clear. And, Father, that you would say what you want to say uh, and you would do what you want to do. God, I thank you for the freedom that we feel in this place. And may your name be glorified. May you be lifted high. And Lord, may the people that are assembled here today, God, once we leave this place, may we leave here excited, knowing that you have a plan for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. If you will, go with me to Psalm 63. Psalm 63. Every preacher needs to get a hanky. Psalm 63 says, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. In a dry and thirsty land with no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your love and kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you, thus will I bless you while I live. I lift up my hands in your name. My soul will be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed and meditate on you in the night watches, because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy, those who seek my soul to destroy it will go into the lower parts of the earth. They will fall by the sword. They will be a portion for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him will glory because the mouth of liars will be stopped. For a title this morning, I want to leave you with the thought, displaced but not misplaced. Displaced but not misplaced. Almost a year ago now, as a family, we packed up all of our belongings and moved across the country to follow the plan of God for our lives. Not knowing what the future holds, we felt that it is better to trust God. Amen? Amen. Um, 
Pastor mentioned Nebraska. Nebraska will always hold a place deep in our hearts and will play a part in our lives forever. We had to let go of Nebraska so that we could take hold of what God had destined for us as a family. While living here in Macon, in the Macon area, we have made some of the most meaningful relationships very quickly. God has provided work and a way to keep a roof over our heads and keep our family fed. God is faithful, amen? The Bible tells us in Psalm 37 and 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. Give yourself to the Lord. Be committed to the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. When we delight ourselves in the Lord and getting the desires of our heart, there's a whole lot of space in between desiring and getting what God has destined for us. There's troubles, there's trials, there's tribulations, there's tests, there's hardships, there's things that you're going to face that you don't even know yet about that you're going to face. But God is going to be with you as you walk through every single one of those seasons. He has given us the desires of our heart by leading us to Christ's chapel. This church has provided friendships and ministry. This church has provided a covering for our family and great pastoral leadership. This church is a refuge. This, this church is a place of shelter and safety. One of our prayers as a family as we felt God leading us to Georgia was that we have a safe place, a place for our kids to get plugged in and be a part of effective ministry. And not just for our kids, but for our lives as well. And I am thankful that our kids have Pastor Chris Amen. and Miss Sarah as their pastors. Amen? God has been good to us. Christ Chapel has been a very, very intricate part of our time here thus far. We firmly believe that God has called us here. We may not have all the pieces, but we do have his word. Things have not always been easy again, but God is faithful. There are seasons in life when God tells the believer to get in the boat and let us go to the other side. And there are times that he tells them to throw your net on the other side. And there are times that he tells them to go to a foreign king and tell him that to let my people go. There are different seasons. There are stories that are filled with uncertainties life-threatening winds and rains and exhaustion, weariness and a feeling of insufficiency, loneliness and despair. But no matter where you are and what season you're in, remain faithful to the assignment. Remain faithful to the promises of God. Whatever God has spoken to you, don't let man or anybody else or a devil in hell discredit nor discount what God is saying to you. I firmly believe that God is raising up a church that will not bend 
nor break. Now bow down to the gods and the ideas and the thoughts that social media and media is trying to push on us. I believe that God is raising up a church that feels displaced, but they understand that they are not misplaced, that they are in the hands of God Almighty, and He is in control. I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul. And for the sake of time, I just want you to go back and read it in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 33. The Apostle Paul gives a list of things that he faced, that he walked through, uncertain times, difficult moments in his life where he literally lost his life and the apostles gathered around him and laid hands on him and prayed the prayer of faith and he stood up on his feet and walked right back into the city preaching the good news about Jesus Christ. Am I talking to the church today? And the resounding theme that is riveted throughout each one of the stories that I have alluded to this morning is that God is faithful. He was with them through it all. And if he was with Paul, if he was with Silas, you better believe that he is with you today. If he was with Abraham, if he was with Isaac, if he was with Jacob, he is with you today. Don't doubt, regardless of the storm. Regardless of what you're going through right now, don't doubt. You got to trust God. I don't know about you, but this is my testimony. This is what I am walking through right now. I feel displaced at times. I feel like, man, God, where are you in this season? God knows exactly where you're at. He's faithful. He's a good God. But if I were to be honest, there are days that I totally feel displaced. There are days that I wonder if we made the right decision. There are days that I feel like, did I hear God correctly? Have you ever had those days? There are days when life happens and you receive that alarming phone call from your doctor informing you that you possibly have a disease that can potentially change the way that you live and do life. On top of that, you have a major car trouble and bills are stacking up and you don't know how they're going to be paid and your resources are running out. And if that is not enough, you still have to be present in the lives that you love the most. Talking about doing life today, this is my testimony. If anybody can tell it, I can tell it. I don't need somebody else to tell it for me. I know where I'm at, but I also know where he's at. He is right next to me. He will never leave me. He's more than right next to me. He is within me, and he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He'll be with me even until the end. But I am in the room with several hundred believers that have the same spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead living inside of us. And sometimes you have to speak to the darkness. You have to speak to the lies of the enemy and to look at the enemy in his face and remind him of what God said. There are days that you have to look back and remember what God did in order for you to take the next step to where God wants you to be. I'm talking to the church this morning and the devil is mad about it. 
Recently, I spoke with a pastor friend. During our conversation, he inquired about the church plant. I told him that I am confident that God is going to speak the specifics concerning the when, where, and of the how of planting the church. But if you're like me, the waiting process is what's difficult. Waiting is hard. It's knowing that it's there, but you just can't have it yet. Have you ever been there? My little dog, she's like that. She, she knows when daddy is about to feed her. She knows when that food is coming out of the fridge and I'm putting her food in her little bowl. She knows even if it's high up on the counter, she's waiting right there, wagging her tail, looking at me, almost like she has a smile on her face. But she, sometimes she gets a little anxious because I'm not ready for her to have it yet. Sometimes we get a little anxious because we want it and God is saying, it's not ready for you yet. Some of us have entered in relationships where God is saying, no, I didn't want you to do that yet, but we rushed God and we entered the relationship and all of a sudden things start falling apart and storms start happening, difficult moments start happening in our lives. Why? Because we did not patiently wait upon the Lord. Stay where God has you because he knows exactly where you're at. I realize the hand of God is on my life and the lives of my family, but that doesn't negate the fact that following God will at times lead to hills, dark valleys, enemies, treacherous waters, violent winds, and storms. Are you tracking with me today? No matter who you are, life has a way of making you feel displaced. But what brings me comfort, what brings me peace and hope is knowing that God sees and he knows exactly where we are. And the successful navigation of the journey can only be determined by our trust and obedience in him. Did you get that? If you got it, why you didn't say amen? <laughs> Paul reminds us in Ephesians 2 and 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things. He planned for us long ago, before you were born, before you were thought about. God already had a plan for your life. Here we are thinking when we jump in the driver's seat, thinking for the first time we know all about it. We think we got it under control. And sometimes just like a kid in a grocery store, a small kid, what do they do? They see things that they like and they run ahead of their parents. And the next thing you know, somebody's on the intercom, Bob Sally, would you please come up to the front? Little Bobby is up here. He's lost. 
That's how we do sometimes. We find ourselves lost instead of staying inside of the shelter, staying inside of this refuge, staying inside of the hands of God, in the presence of God. One of the most greatest places for the believer to be is in the presence of God. There should not be an exit out. There should always be a dwelling in. There should be a remaining, a place where we just stay in his presence where there's power, where there's joy, where there's strength. Even when the storms are raging around us, we're in his presence where we are safe. The title of this psalm, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Most commentators believe it belongs either to David's wilderness years before he came to the throne of Israel or to his brief exile from the throne in the rebellion of Absalom. The wilderness years, or the wilderness years when he was haunted by Saul are preferred, but not held with absolute certainty. And in one of the most difficult seasons of his life, David, rather than complaining about being away from home, friends and family, he thought it was more important to write a love song to God. Isn't that amazing? He thought that it was more important in the midst of the most difficult season in his life, he thought it was more important to sing God a love song. I believe that if in his 21st century, if it had been me, can I throw me under the bus before I throw all of us under the bus? We accept it when the pastor throws himself under the bus first. If it had been me, if it had been you that were writing this song, what would you have said? What words would you have put to the page with your pen? My, my, My words probably would have been like, God, where in the world are you? Where are you? Can't you see that I'm over here hurting and broken and wounded? not David. This is not what David did. Instead, he expresses longing for God's presence, praise, joy, fellowship with God, confidence in God's salvation. But there is not one word of asking for temporal or even spiritual blessings. Did you note that in our text today? Whether betrayed by Saul or or Absalom, David chooses to remember and celebrate God's goodness and faithfulness over his life. He did not wait until he was delivered to praise God. He praised him during the storm. Hallelujah! He praised God during the storm. There are some situations where God delivers us quickly, and there are those seasons where his deliverance is not so quick. And there are those seasons of life where you're going to have to just buckle up, hold on, brace yourself, and just endure. Can I get an amen? No matter the season and its time frame, God is going to do a work in your heart. That's my point today. No matter the season, no matter what you're facing, God is doing 
a work in the heart of the believer. David had a choice. He could have been bitter or he could have become better. He could have thrown a pity party, but he chose to rest in the fact that God was in control of his life. In Psalm 4 and 8, David says, in peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. I want you to note something here with me if if you're tracking with me today. Your wilderness, your displacement, it's often a place of equipping and developing you for the next thing for your life. Maybe your wilderness experience is the place where God is trying to work something out of you so that he can place something in you. Your wilderness experience may be a test to prove your faithfulness to God. We all are going to go through and have our wilderness, our moments of feeling displaced. Uh, Before the start of his ministry, Christ was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil in Mark 4 and 1. The sinless and spotless Lamb of God was taken to a place of emptiness, barrenness, a place of unfamiliarity. He was displaced but not misplaced. Even to the point of the cross, his purpose for going to both of those places were to set an example and to show us that it could be done when we learn to trust God. Are you hearing me today? Displacement should cause the believer to say what Jesus did. Father, if thy will remove this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. You have to come to a place where no matter the season, praise him anyway. If you're taking notes, write that down. No matter the season. Praise him anyway. In our text, David says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. And in a dry and thirsty land with no water, I seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. I love how, I love how David, while in the midst of uncertainty and displacement, he is able, he is able to still revere God as being the sovereign ruler over his life in the midst of the difficult season he didn't want to deconstruct he didn't even want to reconstruct he didn't even question it he didn't even say well maybe I got it all wrong maybe I'm supposed to be doing this maybe I'm supposed to be doing that David did not do any of that Amid a godless society, a place of pagan worship, David stood and proclaimed God as the supreme God in his life. I love how Elohim, the one and only true God of Israel, was David's God regardless of his present circumstance. Can I get an amen? We're living in perilous times and in a day, in the days of darkness, There's so much pressure from society to conform and 
to bow down to the images and that abhor God and anything that resembles him. We have a generation of children that we're trying to raise in the midst of this dark world. And I don't know about you, but as a parent, I am a little bit scared, but not reluctant. I am scared and I'm bringing my children close to me and I am trying to put as much God in them that I can. Because if we don't put God in them, the world is going to put the world in them. Don't be afraid to tell your children the truth. I just entered a conversation the other day with a young lady that I was a youth pastor over many years ago, and now she has chosen a lifestyle that God hates. But she is so convinced, and she has all of this literature that she is using to not only pervert her mind, but every person that she comes in contact with. And while I'm talking to this young lady, I can hear the voice of the enemy trying to mock me. We better grab hold of our children. In the midst of David's desire, in the midst of his talking to God, in the midst of his seeking God, there are several words that are used. The, the word sakar, he uses that as a way of talking about seeking God. There's another word, tesoma, and there's another Greek word called kamal. These words mean to yearn, to long after. It means to thirst. David desired God more than anything else in life. Can I ask you a question? How often do you seek how often do you thirst and yearn for intimacy with God? One thing that I have learned from difficult, from difficult seasons in life is that intimacy, hear what I'm saying, intimacy starts at infancy and grows as we spend quality time with God. Did you get that? At this point in David's life, he knew God deeply. You can't wait until the storms are raging to pretend like you have what it takes to make it through. If you don't spend time with God down here, when the enemy is waiting on you up here, and you don't know him down here? How can you effectively war up here? Intimacy starts at infancy. It starts the moment that we learn and that we are receive Christ as Lord and he is our Lord and Savior. It starts right there and it does not end until our faith disappears at sight when we see him face to face. I believe that David's in, in, uh, intimacy started way before he was on the run. I believe that God was doing a work in his life while he was on the backside of that hill tending his father's sheep. Often intimacy with God is fine-tuned the most when we're able to steal away and get along with God. Where's your hiding place? 
where's that place you go just to get away from God, get away and talk to God? Do you have that place? If you don't, you need to find that place. In our relationship with God, there are moments that we yearn for him and seek after him, and this is reciprocated by him. The Bible says in Luke 19 and 10, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. The verb seek has much of the same force as fetch or gather. We are sheep of his pasture, and he desires to spend quality time with us, protecting us, covering us, and providing for us, according to Psalm 23. Scripture tells us when Jesus approached Jerusalem, he cried out, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as hands gather their chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. This song resembles the love and adoration that is given in a marriage. In a way, this is David's love letter to God. David is away from his friends. He's away from his family. This reminds me of my own life. Man, I, throughout the years, I've had an opportunity to go on a lot of trips at times apart from my wife and my family and my children. During those times, I don't know, I'm just like a big spoiled brat. I miss my wife, I miss my children. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't. I remember a few years ago, I went to general counsel in Orlando and we were again there in Nebraska and, and, and the, the, the gentleman who paid for my flights to get there, uh, I called him, I said, by chance, can you get me home a day early? And the guy that I was roommates with, he was like, look at you, you miss your family, don't you? I'm like, yes. What, what made me miss my family was the remembrance of them. What made me miss my family more than anything was seeing my wife's beautiful face and hearing the voices of my children running through the hallways playing. That is dear to me. That is dear to me. And, that, and, and our relationship with God, when we are away from him, we should long for him. When, when he seems to be at a distance, man, it, it, that should be something that should be tugging at your spirit. That should be something that should be drawing you back to God. If there's nothing drawing you closer to God, we might have a problem, Houston. Am I preaching too hard to you this, to, this morning? David in our text this morning says, early will I seek you. We should start our day with God. Eugene Peterson paraphrases Romans 12, 1 through 2 by saying, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and about walking about life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. 
Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you. Well-developed, well-formed maturity in you. Displacement. Displaced but not misplaced. David's dependency on God was shown and proven by his soul thirsting for God, his flesh fainting for God in a dry and thirsty land with no water. With his entire being, David longed for God more than water and food. Too often when life is difficult, we long for things that can only feed and fill our natural man while our spirit man is being depleted and denied the nutrients that makes us spiritually healthy. There are those that I've had the opportunity to minister to on my job, and all of them are nearing the end of life. And if they're not careful, they will start to feel hopeless and helpless. I've had an opportunity to point them to Jesus and to remind them that God is good and faithful regardless of their present situation. I have had the opportunity to remind them that God's faithfulness in their lives, past and present, is still good. And he is amazing. And he is an awesome God. And in the middle of our struggles, in the middle of David's struggles, in the midst, middle of David's mishaps, David says, I have seen you in the sanctuary. I have seen your power and your glory. In the middle of a dry and thirsty place, David reflected on and participated in extravagant worship to God. This more than likely happened before 2 Samuel 6, when David danced before the Lord with all all of its might. This worship was beyond the celebration and the noise. This song was created in a barren place, a place of desperation that spawned a celebration of praise and worship. He says in verse 3 through 6, because your love and kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you. Thus will I bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul will be satisfied as marrow, with marrow and fatness. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Talk about living a life of abandonment, church. There are truly no words to express David's love for God in this moment of his life. Truly, he was a man after God's own heart. This has to be the most trustworthy, praise-centered place a person could be in life to feel that no matter the season, God's loving kindness is better than life. One author said, life and literature are filled with people who love someone or something more than their own life. And it could be said of them that they have, that they held love better than life. Yet, that is not what David sang of here. David meant that the love of God to him is more precious than his own life. That's huge. 
I hope I'm not boring you. I hope that you're grabbing hold of what I'm saying. In fact, he is my lifeline and source. Can you say that today? He is my lifeline and source. I'm in total dependency on him. Truly, he is the true vine. And without him, I will wither and die. I pray that's where we're all at today. He said in verse 6, I remember you on my bed and meditate you uh, on you in the, in the watches of the night. It seems to me that David started his day with God and David ended his day with God. What brought David to this place, what made this king who he was in life is that David had confidence in God. In Psalm 3 and 5, David says, I lie down. And sleep. I wake up again for the Lord sustains me. He made it sound so simple. He said, I just lie down, I close my eyes, and I go to sleep. And I wake up the next day. He made it sound like it was an easy thing to do. But we see if we're trekking with David, David had a whole lot of things and issues and problems and situations going on in his life. But he says, I lay down and I go to sleep and I wake back up again. I have to believe that David understood that the God of Israel neither slumbers nor does he sleep. He faithfully watches over his people. And if he could trust God with his sleep, he could trust God with all of life affairs. If we can trust God with our sleep, we can trust God with all of our affairs. Maybe this is a word for you today. Maybe you're in a season of restlessness over life's issues and and you don't know what to do. My word for you today is have confidence in God. Be at peace with knowing that he is in control. The reason for my praise is because my confidence is in God. In Psalm 63, 7 through 8, we see David expresses this. And again, he says in Psalm 27 and 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Psalm 63 is a cry, is not a cry for help, but is a song of confidence and praise during a time in David's life When he could have said, Lord, I'm just going to lay right here and die. But he didn't. He understood God to be his help. What an amazing God we serve. Can I ask you a question today as we get ready to wrap this up? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been at that place where David goes on to say that my soul clings hard to you? Have you ever been at that place in your life where you're in the middle of the ocean, figuratively speaking, and the only thing that's in that ocean is a buoy? What would you do? 
Would you cling to it? Would you hold on to it? I don't know about you, but I would. If that buoy was my only life support, I would hold on to it no matter what. And I don't know what season you're in right now. I don't know if you feel like I feel. I don't know if you feel displaced, but I want to let you know that you are not misplaced. God knows where you're at. Listen, like the potter with the clay. Listen, we're like I'm in the hands of God. He is shaping me. He is molding me into what he wants me to be. And he is hiding me in this secret place under his shadow. And in due time and in the right season, in the right moment, he is going to take me out. And he is going to place me on display just like that potter does the clay after he or she is done shaping it and pounding it and beating it and sending it through the fire. Eventually, it's going to be placed. It is going to become a masterpiece. You are in the hands of God. You are not forgotten about. He knows exactly. Exactly where you're at if you'll stand today. This life is filled with troubles. John 16 and 33 tells us, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Job 14 and 1 tells us, man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of troubles. Christ, Christ makes it known that he is the answer to overcoming life's difficulties. Job tells us, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Right now, believer, I know you feel overlooked. I know you feel like, at times, like, can anybody see me, let alone God? Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a finance issue. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's anxiety. I don't know what it is. But at the end of that psalm, David makes it clear that his enemies would not prosper. The enemy of our soul, his job, according to John 10, 10, is to kill, steal, and to destroy. But God came that we may have life and life more abundantly. I know I messed that scripture up somewhere, but pastor, fix it in a minute. He sees you. He knows exactly where you're at. And when the enemy rushes in like a flood, his spirit is going to lift up a standard against him.
As I close, I'm reminded of Joseph, Joseph's obedience and trust in God while in a pit, the Potiphar's house and the prison allowed God to elevate him to the prince of Egypt. And he was able to deliver Egypt and his people from a famine. And in the face of the ones that desired to bring harm to his life, he was able to say to them with full assurance, you intended to harm me, but God intended for the good, for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Child of God, God knows exactly where you're at. And he is walking with you. He is preparing you for something greater than yourself. Do you believe that today? Pastor, can I just take a moment? The buffet hasn't started yet. I know that without a shadow of a doubt, as I was preparing this message, God wanted to speak to someone today. If you feel displaced, will you slip your hand up today? I see that hand. I see those hands. Will somebody, wait, keep your hand, will you raise your hand high for me? You feel this place. If you see somebody's hand up, Pastor, if it's okay, I want you to turn and look if you see somebody with their hand up today. Will you go to them, leaders, um, leadership? We're just going to take a moment. You may be displaced, but you are not misplaced. Again, God knows exactly where you're at. And sometimes it's so easy as a child of God to put on our church clothes, wear a mask, and pretend like life is just gravy and be hurting, broken feeling lonely in despair. I want to speak over that today and pray over that. That God will give you clarity. That God will show you. And that he will guide you and give you that next peace. And that you could hear and understand where he is taking you to and what he's about to do in your life. Father God, I thank you today for your word. I thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for your spirit. Lord, you see every individual in this place today and every hand that was raised. Lord, I pray that you would meet them where they're at. Lord, it feels so uncomfortable at times, Lord, like the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace face living in a place where they were displaced, exiles. 
and Lord God, away from their home and away from everything that was familiar to them. Lord, you told Abraham to go to a place that was unfamiliar to him and so on and so forth. So many in scripture, Lord God, seem to find, have found themselves displaced. But God, just as you were faithful to them, God, I know you're going to be faithful to those that are here. And I pray today, God, that you will bring clarity, that you will bring focus, you will bring the proper understanding, and that you will point them in the direction that they're supposed to go and what they're supposed to be doing, God. I pray that it would be made known to them right now, even as we speak. In Jesus' wonderful and glorious name we pray, amen. God bless you.